Hello, welcome to the Yellow Stiletto Podcast. I'm Maggie May, and this is episode four. Today, I want to talk to you about something very personal to me. I want to talk to you about my dad. (laughs) Um, So those of you who are listening who know me know about my family history. I do talk about it quite often because um, I do believe it's where I get the majority of my hustle from, my creativity, my tenacity, my fearlessness, you know, all positive, amazing qualities that all came from a very tumultuous, that's not how you say that word, (laughs) hopefully my mispronounced, mispronunciation is an endearment to you. Anyway, um, so was, if I were to tell the story of, um, you know, of a child growing up in, in a weird space of like middle class poverty. So just to give you some framework to work from, like we were on welfare. I lived in government housing in some of my formative years, um, I was on free lunch. We had state health insurance. We had, um, what do you call them? The coupon books. You know, before you had an EBT card, you had books, you had food coupons. So when you go to the grocery store, you would divide your food in between, you know, food items and non-food items. So you put all the food together and then you put the toothpaste and the toilet paper. It's separate and you had to have separate transactions. And then this booklet, food stamps, this booklet was very, very important, and if we ever lost the spine of the booklet, um, we wouldn't be allowed to to get food with our with our food stamps. And um, so that was very like I very made my mom and my dad very nervous every time they went to get food. Is would the grocery store accept this this money, this coupon for this food? And here we are. You know, two little girls most of the time, three little girls some of the time. Um, I have another sister who has grew up to be an absolutely incredible human being, and so is my little sister. I'm a middle child. I feel like that's why I'm a good advocate and a good mediator, but that's totally another story. So imagine the pressure on my parents of like needing to feed us um, and the shame that comes with being on government assistance um, and being on government assistance because my father had crippling and has crippling anxiety uh, and depression. And so let me just, you know, you paint this picture of someone who's already anxious and then giving them the additional pressure of, I really hope that this clerk accepts this food stamp. And not only that, but then looks down their nose at us uh, for being on food stamps, right? So all of that, very early on, very formative. I remember standing in line at the food bank um, in the cold and in the rain and I and I remember also thinking that that was normal I f- thought it was cool that you could just go stand in line and get food um, and then I also remember getting you know like macaroni with weevils in it because people who donate expired food sometime to the food bank or food that maybe wasn't cared for well and uh, and then also eating it right because like that's what we had <laughs> a little extra protein <laughs> So really, like, I'm just giving you, that doesn't mean anything to me anymore other than I I grew up to be an absolutely fearless adult because I'm not afraid of being broke. Like, I know what that's like. It doesn't scare me in the slightest. I'm not afraid of losing anything that I've built. 
because I have this fundamental understanding of what it's like to be poor. And although it's not like awesome, it, it's, it's, it's not that bad either. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. I know a lot of you have, who have been poor uh, in the past, you understand what I'm saying right now. Like you get it. So, um, yeah. So my dad uh, was disabled. My mom was his caretaker. I guess I shouldn't say was. He still is disabled. Uh, and so growing up with a parent who has anxiety and depression and just living through those ups and downs definitely made an impression on me. Um, and before I was an adult and able to understand, you know, and really have compassion for my father, um, it was a very negative, a negative impression, right? I couldn't understand why he was this way, why he loved me this one minute and then seemed to hate me the next minute. And I just really couldn't get it. And I couldn't get why... You know why he couldn't be in crowds and why he couldn't go to functions and if I had something that was you know a little bit further than where he was used to driving why he wouldn't be there and um, I, I just didn't get that now I'm very fortunate that my mom was that person that did all of those things for me she never missed a recital she never missed a practice you know um, so she was there but she was there for me and for him and for my little sister and my older sister and it definitely took a toll on her being a caregiver 24 hours a day for you know 30 years so um, again that's a, that's definitely a sidebar story so what I like to keep the focus on today though is, is on my dad so when the way that I view my dad is is he's actually there's there, I don't want to say actually <laughs> I just caught myself saying that so if you were to see him you get this impression of him but if you were to know him you would come to find out that he's actually brilliant. He's really, really brilliant. And he's an artist and he makes this like most beautiful art. And he's like completely tenacious and scrappy and like uh, resourceful. And he can like build and create and make and like do all of these things. So creativity when I was growing up was very, very important in our family. It wasn't like, you must be creative but it was one of the things that was rewarded you know if one of us figured out that in order we needed a funnel and we got a milk carton and cut the bottom off of it and then we made a funnel you know we were praised for that and this is like a super weird example but you tend to kind of grow into the skill set that you're praised for so if you are five and you make your parents laugh, you might grow up to be the funny kid. Or if you do something that's super smart, you might grow up to be the smart kid. So we just kind of grow into what we're like, you know, we realize that we get praise and recognition for these things and then those become part of our skill set. So being resourceful and being creative was something that I was praised for and it became a part of who I am today. And it is a, something that I use every day in my life. Um, and it has helped me, you know, grow into this person that I am. So my dad, you know, having been through all of that, and it wasn't like always happy times. Like he, he'd go through anxiety and depression and he would, he would, you know, someone call it abusive, right? He would scream at us and hit us and all kinds of stuff. So, but that was, ended up being an outward expression of someone who was struggling to use executive functioning skills in a parenting situation and if I look at it from that way I don't feel like you know my dad is this monster or was a monster he's just a person 
and I have an amazing relationship with him now. So what I want to talk to you about today is like just transformation and human potential. So I painted you a pretty good picture of my father and my mom being his caregiver and um, my parents are in the process right now of divorcing. So I did say that like 30 years of that did take a toll on her and I don't think anyone can really understand that but her. She's the only one who really has perspective and really understands what it's like to be someone's 24 hour a day caregiver. I mean, really. So I have a lot of compassion for my mother in that way and I also learned that you don't rely on other people and I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean like if you need to get something done, you can just do it. It actually turned me into like a pretty bad delegator though, so I'm learning on growing my delegation skills. <laughs> because I just I would just do it myself instead of rather, you know, give someone the opportunity to grow. And so that's what I want to talk to you about. So my parents get divorced or are getting divorced. My mom leaves, right? She's just she's had enough, she can't do it anymore. And no one faulted her for that. We were all very proud of her for being able to endure and stay as long as she stayed. Not that there wasn't happy times, but again, you know, most of us only end up 24 hour a day caregivers until a child is like five or six and then they go to school and then you get a break. So imagine being a 24 hour a day caregiver for 30 years and not ever getting a break. Yeah, it's a big deal. But what that did to my dad actually was stunted him because he had this safety net, this touchstone that anytime he felt even the slightest bit uncomfortable, he could go to my mom to fix it. And then if she didn't fix it, he would fault her for it, blame her for it. Why wasn't she more compassionate? Why didn't she do this? Why didn't she do that? Can't she see he's suffering? Now, I'm not blaming anyone. I just, want, I just want you to get the full picture here. So, that was what their life was like together. So now they're apart, and he doesn't have that. And so if he needs to get something done in another city, which he's not comfortable in driving in, he has to drive there. And so I've watched my father over the last few years as this has been going on, like bloom into this person that I didn't know that he could be. So I'm in my 30s. I've known my dad to be this certain way, to be this fixed way. If you listen to the one bef- the podcast before this one, I talk about how things are the way they are because you've ised them. So I've ised my father. My father is this way. He's anxious. He's depressed. He's, he's uh, volatile. He is, you know? And some other people might have said he is abusive. And so then that's just how he is to them. I don't feel that way. But that's what happens is we put a lid on human potential. And so my mother, same thing. Because he was that way to her. He is that way to her. And so they got stuck. And they couldn't grow. And he couldn't grow. Because she couldn't stop doing for him. And I get it. So she stopped doing for him. So now he's like doing all this stuff himself and he is actually like, he's growing for the first time ever. I've actually seen my dad like grow as a person and it's incredible. So I took him to a seminar um, Tuesday night and for my dad, this is a big deal. So he's in Seattle, he lives in Granite Falls. He doesn't usually drive further than Arlington. 
unless he absolutely has to which for those of you who aren't familiar with the area is like about like five ten miles and then Seattle is like 40 miles so you know quite the difference for him so he comes to my house I drive us down there that's another thing that would normally be a problem for him he'll have somebody else driving him it's another thing that's out of his control to make him incredibly anxious then we get to the event and he's also diabetic and it turns out he forgot his insulin um, and so we had to leave. And so he was, you know, pretty upset with himself that he forgot his insulin. He felt like he ruined my night, et cetera, et cetera. And I didn't feel any of that. I just, you know, if you need your insulin, you need your insulin. I'm just, it's flat. I, I'm not, I'm not in the like, oh, he should have brought it. He should have done this, blah, blah, blah. Like, how, no, like it doesn't matter. So he needs his insulin as he needs his insulin. So we leave, get him his insulin. And we just have this, like, incredible conversation that we've never had before. And for the first time, he tells me that I can see that he's becoming more stable mentally. That his mental health is actually improving. And I'm, like, just jaw on the floor. Because I've never, ever heard him say that before. Always, always, for my entire life, he has been a victim of his own mental state. So he tells me it's improving and then he tells me in addition that his goal for himself is to bring stability to his improving mental state. Never ever have I ever heard my father set a goal for himself in my entire life. Never. And so I'm just like sitting there and I'm like astonished and I can't believe that this transformation is just like happened right in front of my eyes. And I have this like incredible three hour long talk with my dad, which I'd never done in my entire life. Never. All because, and I want you people, <laughs> love you people, who are rescuers to hear this, okay? It's, this is a very important message. If you're constantly helping and you're constantly being that buffer for everyone in your life to not experience discomfort. It's because he's experiencing discomfort. It's because he doesn't have someone there to save him from experiencing his own feelings and his own life and dealing with his own anxieties. So if you are that person working in whatever capacity that you're working in, I want you to really get and really hear me when I tell you this. You're hurting them. I don't mean leave them. I don't mean get divorced. I don't mean cut that friend off. I don't mean that. That's not what I'm saying. But if every time that someone in your life experiences a little bit discomfort and they reach out to you and you save them from their own feelings or you help them, you rescue them, you are preventing their growth. You are not helping. And when I got present to this in my own life, I had a breakdown. I, I bawled because having the example that I've had as my mother that's part of like what I do and who I am for my friends and for the world is is I help so we have to get a new relationship to what help is as in support as in being supportive as in being there without doing and we have to understand the distinction between compassion empathy and apathy 
if you do that in your life, if you just look where you're overstepping and you figure out for yourself how you can stay in your own boundary and still be supportive of people and still be there for them and still have compassion for them and still have love for them, but but really be there as support and not rescue them, everything gets better. Your relationship with them will get better. Their relationship to themselves will get better. Their relationship to their life will get better because there's a parent-child dichotomy there. And you just have to look for yourself in your life. Where are you doing this? And understand, really, really understand that you are not helping, you are hurting. In the long run, you are hurting. You could be in a situation like my parents were where someone's growth is stunted for 30 years because you are not able to withstand the discomfort of letting someone else be uncomfortable. Get that? So you, it's you who are not okay with letting that other person be uncomfortable for whatever that means to you. So if you know you can do something about it and you don't do something about it, who does that make you? What does that make you be? And this may be very confronting for people to listen to today. You might be mad right now. And if you're mad, then I encourage you to look. Because there's stuff there for you to get through. And there's stuff there for you to work on. And there's people there that will help you work through this. There's, there's life coaches and programs and you know all kinds of stuff that you could be doing. But if me telling you that rescuing people from their discomfort is hurting them and you're upset about that, that's you. That's your, that's your clue. That's your breadcrumb. That's everything right there. So you just got to look for yourself where it is in your life. And you may not even need to do anything about it, but observe. But just observe. Just watch yourself. Watch yourself continuously save other people from their own discomfort at your own expense, by the way. There's a great analogy for this and I'll leave you with this before I close. Butterflies, when they're chrysalis, when they start to come out of the chrysalis, right? And they're struggling to come out of the chrysalis. If you cut the chrysalis open, they will fall out and die. And I don't mean die from impact. You can put your hand under it. Because the struggle is what builds their wings in order for them to fly. And that is the absolute perfect analogy for the situation. Where there is no struggle, there is no strength. So just know if you're struggling right now, you're getting stronger. Every time you struggle with rescuing someone, should you, shouldn't you? You get stronger. You get stronger. And the stronger you are, the more you can help. And I mean real help. I mean support. I don't mean rescue. I want this for you so bad. 
I want your relationships to be amazing and lasting and deep, ooey, gooey, incredible love. I don't want them to burn out in 30 years because someone got so tired they couldn't do it anymore. Just look. <laughs>